we don't ask for pity. We don't like to be looked down on. And that is why it's so important that we did get together because our education, our lived experience is going to help to pull those others out. Those other people that are struggling to get out of the game or those other people who are struggling to find meaning in their life. Those other people who think, you know what? Being trafficked is all I know. And if I try to get out, there's no other way. This is us saying, yes, there is a way. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give people a choice. Instead of forcing them or making them feel as if they have to do it, we want them to know that it is your choice. And if you're ready to, we're here with open arms saying, let me help you. That's what I believe Hawaii is all about, helping, letting you know that there's always, there's always one of us survivors here saying, we got you. Through it all, we got you. Listeners, welcome to Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rowland. You're going to get to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. These are stories that maybe never made it to headlines, maybe they weren't believed, and you're going to get to hear from survivors themselves tell the truths of sex trafficking. Join us and remember, listener discretion is advised. We understand the the greatness about our community and we know the struggles of our community. And I think that that is something to be excited for when we can come together and share stories like ours and be a voice for those who need us. You are worthy, you know, and you are, you're precious, you know, you're beautiful. And in spite of what you're going through, of what you've gone through, it does not determine who you are going to be in the future. It's just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. All that mess you went through, there's a message in that. And there's a message of hope and transparency and freedom for somebody else. There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Your freedom is in your mouth, and it's the key to somebody else's chains. You matter, and your story matters always. You're you're taking the voices of the unheard, and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. I'm just going to start with a whole little different intro. I have firstly been out of the podcast recording for a hot minute, and that's because I've been working on a couple of things. One of them is the healing portion of my journey, which is with Project Koa Yoga, which I co-founded. And then it's with a survivor lived experience support group for not even a support group. We're in the making, we're in the process of a lot of things because there's a big need for this. So we're dabbling in between a couple of things, whether we're gonna be this big organization with 
employees that's sustaining for the island or we're going to be just kind of small and serving our community the best way we can. So with that being said, I've been gone a couple of months and this episode is really important to me because this organization that I'm talking about, this agency that we're forming is going is called Tax Hawaii and it is community against exploitation, because y'all know there's different forms of exploitation. It's not all sex trafficking. It's not all labor trafficking. And there's so much in between that y'all understand and know. And we don't have a lived experience specific type of um, organization here that's doing the similar thing, anything similar. Hawaii is small. Um, we have neighbor islands, but even on the neighbor islands, there's nothing quite like this. So it's led and centered um, on lived experience experts for lived experience experts for survivors. Um, and we just work together as a community, really fighting all the different types of exploitation. So I have a special guest. This is going to be like my 50th episode and her name is Leinani. She is also a member of CACS. On a previous episode, y'all heard from Ashley Maha and she's also a member of CACS Hawaii. And with Leinani coming on today, it's just so important because she'll talk to you about why she's a member of CACS. Hawaii, why we're developing and forming this to be something huge and major for Hawaii. And, you know, kind of like the unseen story that she holds that's been in her journey, whether it's through what looks like DV, what could have looked like um, needing other types of assistance, how she's worked, um, not really worked, but how she's traveled through her journey, a different path, because we know it's not all straight, we know it's not all linear, to get to where she is right now, where she is working amongst other folks in the community um, as a, who we, I don't know, what do we call, what do we call us when we kind of feel like we made it, like overcomers, thrivers, lived experience experts, survivors, I'll let her introduce herself. I think all of the above. Yeah, all of the above. All right, Leinani. So yeah, can you introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah. (laughs) Aloha, everybody. My name is Leinani Yahiku, and I like to call myself a survivor. Although that word is played out a lot for me, it means so much. It has weight to it. And the reason it has weight is because I survived a near-death experience due to the human trafficking and domestic violence. So for me, it it has so much more meaning. But to go ahead and go back to Catch Hawaii, I needed this group of women just as much as I believe we all need each other. And the reason I'm going to say that is because we are in a place right now where there is very few survivors who has actually gone through the experience, took the time to educate ourselves so we could help others. So linking up as one made us so much stronger. I believe that with one person, you're strong. Two people, you're stronger. Now three, you're forced to be reckoned with. That's because now you have three people backing you. And so far, that's how we look right now. As Victoria was explaining, we're in the process of building everything up. 
And that's exactly how I I believe we needed to farm everything, right? Where we're all part of this. And the reason I'm saying that is because it's different ideas. It's different views. The way I was trafficked is not the same as how Victoria was trafficked or mm-hmm. Ashley was trafficked. And that's going to help us to reach more people. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we live in a world where we're either judged and looked down on or we're pitied. And I'm sure Victoria will agree with me. We don't like that. Mm-hmm. We don't ask for pity. We don't like to be looked down on. Mm-hmm. And that is why it's so important that we did get together because our education, our lived experience is going to help to pull those others out. Those other people that are struggling to get out of the game or those other people who are struggling to find meaning in their life. Those other people who think, you know what? Being trafficked is all I know. And if Mm -hmm. I try to get out, there's no other way. This is us saying, yes, there is a way. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give people a choice. Instead of forcing them or making them feel as if they have to do it, we want them to know that it is your choice. And if you're ready to, we're here with open arms saying, let me help you. That's what I believe Hawaii is all about, helping, letting you know that there's always, there's always one of us survivors here saying, we got you. Through it all, we got you. So I wanted to kind of um, back up a little, <laughs> if that's okay with mm-hmm. you, Victoria. Mm-hmm. So I know I spoke about being a survivor and why it meant so much about, like, why being a survivor means so much to me. The reason why it means so much to me is because I s- still remember looking down on my arm after I was injected with something that I don't know what, what I don't know what it was. Then I remember looking at my veins on my legs as I fell repeatedly thinking to myself, what's going on? My heart's racing. I can't breathe. I feel like the world is spinning. I knew I was poisoned because of how my body reacted. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was scared. I was terrified. And at that time in my life, I remember thinking, I should have just shut my mouth. I should have just shut my mouth and not made a complaint about a certain person that came over that night. I should have just shut my mouth and been completely into it so it wouldn't have looked like this. But I should have, I could have. It hurt me. To get out of that mindset, it's not easy. It's really not easy. And as a survivor, I believe it was surviving everything, the physical, the mental, the emotional. It's it's literally surviving it all. I mean, there was times where I would lock myself in the room, in the bathroom, and cry myself to sleep on the bathroom floor because that was the only place that I could. He thought that I was using a bathroom. It was the only place that I had peace 
I remember even looking up at the toilet and crying, just crying myself to sleep. And every time I would cry, I would always think, Jesus, please help me. And, you know, for those people who has other beliefs, cling on to that. Whatever it is, cling on to that manifestation, anything. Cling on to that positivity. Cling on to that hope because that was my hope. There's different hopes for everybody. And that was what helped me. Hope. Every single time where, where I felt there was no hope, I would force myself to believe there was hope. And it's so crazy looking back at everything because the abuse, the trauma that I've gone through. I mean, I still have burns on my body because of the abuse. But I'm sure everybody can agree with me when I say I honestly would rather take the physical abuse over the mental abuse because that is something that still haunts me today. And unfortunately, in our field, the professionalism that we deal with would want us to say that we are over it and we are healed. But the truth is, you, you live your life every day healing one bit at a time. This is not something that you're going to heal one night, two nights, a year. It might stay with you for the rest of your life. And that's why it's so important for us women to be there for you folks. Because it's in those moments where you feel as if there's no hope. That we can come back and say, hey, there's hope. You know, I, I don't want to say, oh, I was there before, but more so. I understand. I don't understand completely, but if you're willing to, I'm willing to listen. Because believe it or not, that's actually the best feeling when someone just listens. No judgment, just listens. Because society likes to believe that we want it to be traffic. Society likes to believe that, well, these women, they use their sexuality to get what they wanted. Therefore, they wanted it. It's a little complicated and more in-depth than that. Before you get into that part in your life, you're actually mentally abused. This kind of things does not happen overnight. It takes time. Mm -hmm. And you become so broken that you feel that's the only thing that you have power over. I know it sounds so weird, but in that moment, in that actual act of giving myself or being forced to give myself, I had power. I had complete power. And that was something that nobody could take from me. Yes. Afterwards I would, I would have to pay for it, <laughs> but knowing that I had power over that moment. And that is so sad that I, I got to that place where that was the only power I felt I had. Mm. And so much women feel, they feel the exact same way. 
they're going through it right now as we speak where they feel empowered at that moment because nobody can tell them anything. They have full control for their customer. The customer is completely into them at that moment and they wield the atmosphere. Now, as soon as that's over, that power is gone and the reality hits and you realize you never really had power. And you realize the person who is in charge and puppeteering everything ultimately has the full power. But to survive, you tell yourself, at least in that moment, it was mine. everything you were saying Linani about I mean just everyone's journey and you know what stood out to me the most was when you kind of mentioned I don't know if you said we or they but either one I'd like to talk about because you were like you know we want it to be trafficking is uniquely said too and I could see that and then I also heard you maybe have said they want it to be trafficking because with CAC's you know, Hawaii, it's important because like you said, everybody's exploitation is different and you could be exploited and, you know, still be stripping. You could be exploited on the farms. You could be exploited. um, Like I said, in the strip club, you could be exploited. You thinking you're just being somebody's whole sugar baby. And my journey is different than yours. Your journey is different than Ashley's. We get that. But you know, what's unique is that when you said, they want it to be trafficking because all these services are tailored towards this trafficking piece. And even we want it to be trafficking sometimes because sometimes, like you said, DV and sex assault isn't necessarily trafficking. Um, sometimes it's the entry point or sometimes we think even ourselves and the community think it has to be one or the other. You could be a whole trafficked woman and get beat the fuck up and be still a DV victim. Like it doesn't have to be totally separate. And you could be involved in domestic violence and your husband is, you know, pimping you, or I don't like to say pimping, but exploiting you. You know what I mean? Um, I've had, we've, everybody's journey is so different. So when you kind of meant that and said that. No, that's exactly what is I is this kind of what you were meaning to especially or do you because talk about that more that's how they treated me okay I mean yeah at first they thought that my whole situation was just a domestic violence where I was I was called in my I'm sorry in my court documents it said that I was a swinger that's what it said mm-hmm. yes I so I kept every single cart what <laughs> it said that I was a swinger mm-hmm. I only received the help for the trafficking when the detectives put two and two together and they found out that my abuser was trying to purchase other women 
because that's what they were that's what he would do evidently my story lined up with what he was doing mm. and they knew that i was trafficked but the first initial feeling that i had was they're judging me and they more so of they mm-hmm. wanted more and they're that's why i said that they you. expected yeah. more so they want you to be trafficked because mm. it's easier for for them it's easier for them to deal with it it's easier for them to put you in a category mm. but you you spoke exactly you nailed it it's it's mm. so many different avenues go ahead mhm yeah so did it could be so many different things. So did they even see, you know, domestic violence? No, and it's ridiculous. Together? I mean, did they even see that? I mean, it's. I'm sorry, we're laughing because it's. You don't have to be in this, you know, labeling. But I mean, if they at least saw this quote unquote swinging, did they dan- Did they even see the damn demon? No. Like, I mean, <laughs> like what? What was that about? Was Was you recognized at least as a victim in? At what point were you recognized as a freaking victim, first of all? Because swinging, the way that victimization... No, I wasn't seen as a victim. I was seen as a perpetrator at first. And that is that is why I am such... I am such an adamant advocate. I do not stop. And the reason I don't stop is because... I remember feeling these feelings that I couldn't explain and I didn't know why I felt them. And it's because they judged me. They put a label on me and they wanted me to be that label, but I wasn't. I was out of the label and I was in all different types of labels and it was hard for them to make sense of things. It was hard for them to make sense of things. If it wasn't for honesty, my abuser getting caught they would have never put me in the other categories because it would have been too hard for them but because he got caught they had no choice they knew that's where they mm. knew that i wasn't going to just fit in one category because i was married to my abuser for almost 20 years and it didn't just happen mm. it happened because of drugs and it wasn't like everybody else it started off where you know what your husband wants to do this no matter how much times you tell him no you end up saying yes and when you tell him to stop he doesn't stop i didn't know i was trafficked and that's why it was hard for them i didn't know i had no idea yeah. i was trafficked because after a while it was just if you don't sleep with these people you're gonna get lickings it's gonna be bad and as as i explained in the beginning i was shot up with something i don't even know what it was i remember looking the other way every time i got shot up shot up i didn't know every time what it was i was told it was one thing but the reaction that i got during that time it was different i don't know what he used so they couldn't just put me in the category they wanted me to be in you know they want you to just be trafficked they want you to just 
okay, this is the person that was sold for sex or she was forced to do things sexually. But it's so much more than that. It's so mm-hmm. much more than that. Exploitation is a vast, huge explanation in itself. So why would they sum it up to just categories here and there? It shouldn't be in one category. And that's why catch toy is so important. Because we don't do that. We're not going to stamp you and say, you belong here. Because it's a lot convenient. It's more convenient for us. No. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when we say community, you know, we want to be aligned. We want to be with people who are aligned with yes. our same, with that same mindset, you know, because we can't push people into certain areas. We can't force anyone to exit. We can't name or label anyone and make them understand that that's, that's what it is. They have to be where they are at that time. And that's why it's, it's such a process because we need to make sure this, the right community folks are aligned with us. And much like other programs that we see on the mainland and maybe even them being smaller it does start very small because we have to understand exactly what you're talking about right now. This has to click and connect with the right people understanding what we're saying right now, because we might have listeners right now that are just like, yo, what is Leinani and Vic talking about? Like, I don't understand because that's part of my whole, that's my whole journey too of this podcast is like, really leading up to CACs because it's getting stories because they've been labeled trafficking has been labeled a certain way. So it's bringing awareness to the different stories and it's making people that might have not really known how they could help want to help or how they can, um, you know, I'll use the word refer. I don't really like refer, I have quotation marks really actually right now. I'll say connect, you know, so that people can connect. So like someone might say, you know, this might not be something as severe. I'll, I'll just say severe right now. This might not be something as severe as needing help to get out right now. But maybe this person needs to just talk to another survivor or lived experience expert or somebody who they can connect because they just want to like talk story a little bit and and know what's out here to, um, you know, maybe get a real estate license or something like that, you know, and they don't want to like join a program or they want to go do an outreach event where they know other women have been in the same predicament or they want to link up with someone who's been in the industry and can tell them like, you know, this is how I got out of that situation when I knew that the time was right. Or you might get another mom that says, you know, I'm ready to get out. And, or I've been out for a while and I just never really talked to my kids about it, you know? So that kind of comes along with like your journey 
into like you have your healing through art and you have your journey into why you wanted to be here. And now you are professionally working in a different form of advocacy, not necessarily trafficking. So, but you're, you're definitely working in the community. So we talked about how CAX is led by us us survivors, of us lived experience experts. So what do we have as expectations for the community? What do we expect from the community to be a part of fighting against exploitation? I think for me, I because I think we mm-hmm. all have different expectations as women, as survivors. I just expect them, the community, to put down that whole judging to put down the categories, to stop labeling us, stop labeling everybody else. Exploitation should not be labeled as just trafficking. And I expect as a community that we act as if we are a community and band together. It's in numbers that you find your strength so that's my expectation and as a kanaka as a hawaiian that's a little different for me i expect my fellow kanakas to stand up with me because our history goes strong and deep we were always always one that's why you watch when there's a movement with the Mauna and other things, everybody comes together. And that's why I, I expect that. I expect that because that's who we are as a people. And many of us, we have different nationalities that believe the same things. So it's just about unifying, coming together to fight a cause greater than ourselves. I appreciate that. Yes, that is exactly what I have as what I'm thinking for expectations too. And I think Ashley's behind that as well. And I think I asked Ashley this, and I think I've talked about it through other episodes with other folks that primarily were on the mainland. I had some, I had, a, I had, I think two that were in Canada, but like you're mentioning, you know, being Kanaka and just being and knowing what community feels like and what that has always been. Is there something or anything, I guess, along your journey that you can mention that you really want to see from your community that you really didn't get, perhaps? Because I know we haven't been perfect as a community. That doesn't mean I'm just talking about Hawaii or on the mainland. If you're in your own network, you know, I mean, like, as this movement, quote unquote, moves along, because it's been about 10, 12 years, everybody's been talking about trafficking and exploitation. But what along your journey do you want to discuss that really wasn't maybe met as an expectation or you were surprised to not experience that you really hope we can we can get with CACs? I hope being a part of CAC helps to make changes in our heart systems. Because as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. 
it's one thing to live through what we've lived through, but it's another thing to sit in a courtroom and be told that you're a swinger and you're a perpetrator when you had no mm. control over what was going on. And it followed me. I had to fight to get my first job as an advocate because that tarnished my reputation. I, I almost didn't get my job because of that. So I want to see changes. I want to see changes where a worker is not just going to categorize you and say, this is where you belong because mm -hmm. it makes sense to me. No, it doesn't always make sense. Exploitation does not mm -hmm. always make sense. So to drop that and to understand that everybody's story is different is something that I really want to see. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I know I can definitely back that up and and expound on it because I really hope that we can be like similar to some of the other kind of community groups with led, you know, which is led by survivors and lived experience experts that are across the country or even on the mainland or international that build their people up and their communities building them up like you you know you would have somebody at the table that's like oh no I want to hire her or you know we can have somebody that's like hey call me when you have anybody that wants to start their yes. LLC call me you know what I mean call me when y'all want to do this fundraiser and need um a donation like I know it's hard to get that because there's so many competing nonprofits I understand that but there's billions of dollars in trafficking, anti-trafficking movements, mm -hmm. you know? So we can pay folks that are, you know, making the laws. We can pay folks that are being the advocates. We can pay the folks that are in these programs. But guess what? We're not putting money behind survivors that are really exiting and getting out of the trade. We're not putting money behind the survivors who are like, I got to go back and finish my bachelor's degree, or I got to get this car. Like I got to buy this car and I'm able to, and able to go to work. Yeah. I might freaking relapse. <laughs> I might, you know, need to call you freaking two years from now because I got smokes, you know, I got caught smoking <laughs> weed, but damn, I'm not a yes. criminal. You know what I mean? I feel like people don't think that we are yes. real. Like, you know, People bought sex from us. Oh my gosh, does that make us aliens? Like, I don't understand how we're so different from everybody else. Like, you don't look at the buyer like that, right? You don't look at that boss who was mm -hmm. buying sex from everybody and his mm -hmm. workers. You know what I'm saying? You, you look at him like a damn mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Like, hello, it shouldn't be that different. So I just kind of wanted to extend that of what you mentioned to, to kind of mention that. And I know Ashley talked about it too, because her area of being in the industry and the club scene and the, um, you know, some of the online exploitation that I didn't really experience and you didn't experience plays very important to how somebody might outreach to us and be like, yo, I don't know if this, you know, if I could do this anymore, you know, but what is the, what is the other, what is the end goal? Can I get something yes. temporarily? So 
you know, we try to fight for different, like make connections in the community with people who like recently we tried to pass the law for a $2,000 guaranteed income. It's not a lot. It's not everything. It's probably pennies to a lot of the, the folks, but guess what? We tried to do something. I mean, if you want to leave and you have no income, and like you said, you tried to get an actual like, um, you know, job in your field, you know, where you have the expertise, where we don't see a lot of folks and their requirements are yes. different, right? So they're like, oh, you need you need this, you need that, you need this user of experience. We need three, we need maybe even five references as opposed to mm-hmm. three or or whatever. We need those barriers eliminated. Yeah. Like there's programs now that will help fix your credit. Me and Ashley were talking about that the other day. Polaris Project has something to fix survivor's credit or put a hold on it or something like these are the kind of things that we want to send messaging to, to like survivors, even still like those still in the game, like, hello, in order to like finally try to get out you're you still need to make these steps, you know, we need to get over these steps. And what are the steps would probably be like, I ain't got no damn mm-hmm. savings. My credit's shot. Um, and I'm, you know, I got to do a couple of these things before I can get out, get out. So, or stop what I'm doing. So we hope to kind of have those conversations and connect with the right people. Um, so let it be heard <laughs> what me and Lenani are talking about. Shoot. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. That's what I'm kind of mentioning. I mean, this is a good point to kind of ask you, is there anything you wanted to make sure we are reaching out to the community for? And, and this extends to the lived experience community, the survivor community. Um, and the community of folks that want to help. I think we said everything that needed to be said. Mm, mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, period. Well, I appreciate that. Lenani, you have been more than amazing trying to get a message out about not just CACs Hawaii, you know, uh, you 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 kind of put an uplifting message in there for <laughs> other, you know, maybe there's someone else that wants to do something similar and they only have two other survivors that, or lived experience experts that want to join and push through in their own community. So thank you for helping me talk through it and get this out this is my last episode y'all because i gotta i gotta take a whole <laughs> long pause because you because we gotta go i gotta go like you know 100 percent with yes. cax so i appreciate you being on my last episode after a, a whole long pause girl you don't even <laughs> know but i think my awareness has reached who i wanted to reach and the, the episodes are still out I, I was part of the podcast pandemic. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of people who they ain't podcasting no more because we had to go back to work. But um, yeah, thank you for joining me today and joining all of thank you for having the, the listeners. I think I think I'm almost at like 50,000 downloads, which was, I never had a goal, but I really had intention to spread some words. So thank, thank you. you. It's Victoria. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. 
Thank you for being a part of hearing and listening to voices that were often unheard, underrepresented, and feeling as though their stories weren't seen, heard, or believed. And I hope that you stay tuned for another episode of Survival Stories, Controversial Conversations, and coverage of stories that never really make it to headlines. And if you haven't yet, check out season one. Unseen the Traffic Truth Podcast.